Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. We are in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. Now, if you would, please stand with us as we read God's Word, and we'll dig into our message. This is the Word of the living God. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you with our Bibles open. Uh, Lord, desiring to, to know more of you this morning, desiring to hear from you through your word this morning. Lord, I pray that as I um, work through this sermon, Lord, that I wouldn't speak from human intellect and my own preference or opinion, Lord, but that I would be nothing more than an instrument that you use to unpack your scriptures, Lord, that we may understand them and that we may see beautiful, wonderful treasures that we have never seen before. Lord, may Christ be glorified this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So, our sermon title today is Beloved Children. Beloved Children, if you have your bulletin, you see that right in front of you. Uh, by the way, we also do offer a, a digital bulletin if you're ever at home or if you don't want to use the paper, it's through the Uversion app. Uh, the Bible app on the phone. So where we have been so far, we've done a lot of work in this book already. We have seen a lot of things. We've heard a lot of direct, really um, straightforward messages and statements from John. Um, this section here is going to kind of begin to shift uh, what who John is talking to, what he's dealing with. We saw him talking about the Antichrists that left the church and how they uh, were demonstrating that they were never truly believers because they left the faith. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago. And then last week we were looking at a few um, characteristics of false teaching and false teachers. And then we also looked at some deterrence to false teaching to protect ourselves and we saw last week's section, you can look at it in verse 27, uh, the last 
Three words that John writes are abide in him. He's going to pick up that theme here in today's section. But I'd like to say a few things by way of introduction. We often speak so much of the dangers of false teaching and the need for holy living and putting off your sinful nature and you know, fighting sin in your life and, and you know these really convicting things. And it's good for us to do those things because nobody can lull us to sleep like our own selves. We will fall asleep at the wheel constantly and willingly. And so we need those alerting type of messages, those cautionary um, commandments, if you will. But how often do we speak of the benefits of being a Christian? Because there are real benefits of being a child of God. Now, I will readily admit that it, this type of language, you have to be very careful in, in talking about this because, unfortunately, you know, your health and wealth prosperity teachers today have hijacked what it means to be benefited as a child of God, and they have turned it into something that it's not supposed to be about. They have made it about material gain, about material blessing, that all oh, these benefits you get for being a child of God equal a better house, a, a better job, a better fill-in-the-blank. And so it makes us kind of want to tread carefully when we talk about being a child of God because the benefits of being a child of God because we want to say first off that we're not talking about it the way that they are but this is actually biblical language Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2 he says bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is actually ben, uh, biblical language to speak of the benefits of being a child of God. Because there are real benefits. There is a very real um, edge that we have, if you will, um, in this lifetime and most certainly in the life to come. So what we're going to look at today, as we work through our text, we're going to examine five benefits of being a child of God. Our first benefit that we see here, it's from John's exhortation. He says, and now little children abide in him. This is the first, it does, might not sound like it on the surface, but this is a real benefit of being a child of God, is that we can abide in Him. This is verse 28, section A, the first part of verse 28. A few verses ago, we were reading of people who were leaving the faith, who were going out in droves after false teaching, after antichrists. And now, John moves and says, abide in Him. As we should be commanded, and as we would do well to obey. None of us are beyond the need to be daily putting off the deeds of the body. We, we, we always, every single day, need to be fighting against our sinful nature. My friends, if you're not doing that, be guaranteed, rest assured, that that means your sinful nature is winning. You must be killing sin 
as John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. That is a very real um, aspect of the Christian life, especially because we're coming up on a holiday. Oftentimes, we look at a day off or a holiday um, as time off from spiritual things, don't we? Oh, I guess I, don't, I really don't need to read my Bible today. I don't have to pray because it's a day off. Well, how many of you know that the way to really rest is in spiritual things? The way to truly find rest in your life is by walking in the Spirit. Because Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our spiritual Sabbath. So if we don't do these things, if we don't take the time, if we're not disciplined to uh, engage our spirit and engage uh, our minds in study of the word, then we're ripe. We are ripe for, number one, growing cold, and secondly, falling prey to sin in our life. So John's command is abide in him. The, the other aspect of this is, you know, we, we could easily become complacent whenever we start considering this verse that said, they went out from us because they were never of us. But you stayed because you are a true believer. Well, what is our flesh's inclination going to be? Ah, okay, thank God. Now I can kind of take it easy. Now I don't need to worry as much. I don't have to try as hard. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this because this is evidence that I am a true child of God and so he's going to preserve me until the last day. But what a dangerous way to think because as soon as you start thinking that you are drifting away from the Lord. So John says, abide in him. Stay close to the Lord. Remain in Christ. Don't just go to church. Don't just say, I'm so thankful that I didn't fall away from the faith, therefore I won't. Abide in Jesus. Absolutely. This week, enjoy your time with your family. Relax. Relax. Have fun. Joke. <laughs> Sit around the fire. Watch football. Whatever. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the fruits of your labor, absolutely. But never for a moment think that that means time off from the Lord. Because it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we're able to do these things, isn't it? It's only because of the Lord's tremendous blessing towards us that we're able to do this. Abide in Christ. Sin is ever crouching at our door and its every desire is to have us. Now, I realize that this might not seem like a real benefit of being a child of God. Like This really just sounds like a command. What is this? How is this a benefit? Well, let's look at it. It is presented to us as an exhortation. But let's consider it. Let's look at John 15.5. We should have that loaded into the software there, no? Okay. John 15.5. You can write that down and check it out later. John 15.5 says... I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see that? Abiding in Christ 
means that we bear fruit in our lives. And to not abide in Christ means that we're living a life that is not going to bear fruit. Well, why does that matter? I'm glad you asked. You asked the best questions. Verse 10 and 11 of that same chapter says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Church, do you hear that? To abide in Christ is to follow His commandments, to keep His commandments. And when we do that, Christ's promise is that as we do that, our joy will be the same joy that Jesus had. And that it will be full, that we will have fullness of joy by abiding in Him and keeping His commandments. That is a benefit reserved only for the children of God. A child of the world, a child of Satan, cannot do that. They cannot abide in Jesus. They cannot bear fruit that is honoring and glorifying to the Lord. All they can do is abide in their sin and reap the fruits of their sinfulness. So praise be to God that as a child of God, one of the benefits is that we can obey this. And as we obey this, it means we will bear fruit that is glorifying and honoring to God. And as that happens, the joy of the Lord increases in our hearts. I'm looking at a lot of faces right now that look like they could use some joy. I heard one person laugh. It was a joke, people. It's okay. We can smile and laugh even though we're Baptists. We cannot bear fruit without abiding in Christ. Do you see that? And as we do that, it causes us to bear fruit, that it causes us to have the fullness of God's joy. Furthermore, the dead branches, as we will read in a bit, are thrown into the fire. The branches that are not abiding in Christ are thrown into the fire, which is eternal judgment. But we bear the fruit of righteousness. The second benefit of being a child of God, as we see here in our text, he says, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I see a major benefit of being a child of God here because first, this means that I can abide in Christ which, as I do that, means that when he appears, I can have confidence and not be ashamed when he returns. This is our second benefit, is that we can have confidence at his appearing. Verse 28, section B. John's command to abide in Christ comes with this motivating statement. Do you see those words there? Abide in him, comma, so that... When he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. This tells us 
there will be some people on the last day who will have confidence, and there are going to be some people who shrink away from him in shame. There are two different people here, and I'm here to tell you, one of those people is a child of God. Another of those people is a child of Satan. Well, pastor, I thought that everyone was a child of God. In the sense that we have all been given life by God, absolutely. But we know from Scripture that not everybody is a child of God truly, because some people are a child of Satan. People who are still dead in their sin, who have not been reborn, are children of Satan. And we'll get to that in a sec. Don't let me get ahead of myself. We're going to look at this in two sections. He says, so that when he appears, we may have confidence. Write this down, Matthew 24, 42 through 44. Matthew 24, 42 through 44. Jesus is speaking. He says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming... He would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are two people here. Jesus is referring to some people who are asleep when Christ returns. Now this doesn't mean they are physically in bed asleep taking a little tiger snooze. This means that they are spiritually asleep. That they are not paying attention that they are not doing what they ought to be doing, that they are, as John would say it, they are not abiding in him when he returns. These people are going to have need to be ashamed. But as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, God himself will sanctify us completely and keep us until the last day if we abide in him. So that when he returns... We won't be ashamed. We're going to have confidence. This word confidence here means, it doesn't mean I'm sticking my nose in the air and my shoulders back, chest out. This confidence means that I'm not afraid, that I'm not scared, that I know I don't have anything to worry about. You see, imagine that day with me if you can that you're busy at work or you're doing whatever it is that you're doing and the sky cracks open, the trumpet sounds, and Jesus is seen. On that day, if that were today, are you going to have confidence at his appearing? Or are you going to shrink back in shame? Are you going to say, yes, he's here to take us home? Or are you going to say, oh, no, it was real, and I haven't been following him? There are only two types of people, then, those who will have confidence 
and those who will be ashamed. Whenever I, I think about this, this concept of, of Christ returning at an hour that we do not know, it reminds me of whenever I was a store manager at T-Mobile, and we would have corporate visitors in town, and those were always the most intimidating visits, as any of you who have ever worked in that setting are well aware. When corporate comes to town, they have a long checklist of things that you better be doing. And if you're not doing even one of them, they will ruin your day. Well, whenever we wouldn't know that they were going to come, and they would suddenly appear, wow, everybody is on edge. Everyone would be afraid. Everyone would, would, would be worried. Everyone would be tr- quickly putting away their phones, quickly putting away you know, things on the, t- the, the countertops, quickly, now we're cleaning, now we're busy, now we're doing all of these things, making sure that we're saying the right script. But whenever we would have a warning, sometimes they would call us from a different store and say, hey, they're here and they're headed to your store. Well, I mean, we could prepare, couldn't we? And granted, the case could be made that we should always be doing the right thing, of course. But you know, this was before Christ, okay? So don't judge me. I know you do it too. But they, we, we would have time to prepare. And we could make sure that we're greeting people in the proper amount of time. We could make sure that we were answering the phone with the right script. We could make sure that we were uh, offering the right plans and, and promotions, etc., etc., etc. And then the visit would go well. We would have confidence at their appearing. We'll see in the same way Jesus has given us this warning that he's coming soon. And that we will not know the day or the hour. There won't be a call ahead of time saying, hey, I actually just saw him. Make sure that you get your life in order. No. The way that we can be prepared for that day is by keeping this exhortation from John in verse 28 to abide in him. Then on that day, we will have confidence. We will be full of joy. We will be thrilled exuberant that our Savior, our salvation has come. There will be another group of people, Mark 8, 38. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of of his Father with the holy angels. Do you see that? Whoever is ashamed of Christ in this lifetime, Christ will be ashamed of when he returns. But John shows us that as a child of God, we have the option, the opportunity, to stand confidently on that day. We don't need to be ashamed We don't need to be living the kind of life where we would shrink back at the return of the Lord. We can be living a life where we abide in Christ in such a way that when he returns, we are excited. We are ecstatic. We are joyful because we know I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ and I am walking in his will for me. 
two kinds of people. The children of God can have confidence. Those who are not children of God will be ashamed. Our third benefit, verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, that's Jesus, or God, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. Because this does not merely mean to do good deeds. When John is saying those who practice righteousness, that word has become so diluted today that we think that that means those who practice religion, those who go to church on time, those who give their tithe, those who say nice things, those who don't cuss too much, those who don't drink too much. That's what it means to do righteous deeds, but that is far from the truth. Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 quickly. Romans 6, 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, listen to that, the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Let's go down to verses 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves as God to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Do you see that? I mean, this is speaking of a lifestyle. This is speaking of a person who has been brought from death to life. We, we have so diluted and distorted the work of the Spirit in salvation that we think it's as easy as just raising your hand, and that raising of the hand is what gives you eternal security. But that is not found anywhere in Scripture. What you find instead is that it is a work of Almighty God upon a person's heart. The day He brings you from death to life. So when people ask you, are you saved? My friend, you will know that answer. Why? Because there is now life where there was death. I was once a slave to sin. I am now a slave to righteousness. That what I do in my life, I no longer desire to walk in sinfulness. What does that look like in my everyday life? Um, jealousy, uh, hatred, um, r anger, uh, f uh, fits of rage, uh, talking about people behind their back, gossip, critical spirit, all of these things. And we could go further to the more obvious ones, um, pornography, uh, lust, etc., 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 I used to be enslaved to these things, but now I am enslaved to doing God's will. 
Only a child of God can do this. This is a benefit. Do you understand? Jesus says in John chapter 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. This does not mean everyone who sins. Because guess what? We all sin. We all will always sin for the rest of our lives. I've said this before. A Christian will not be sinless, but we will sin less. It's called sanctification. We are growing in Christ's likeness. If that is not happening in your life, you need to ask, why? Why am I not becoming more like Jesus? Why am I still so much like how I've always been? Why am I not a slave to righteousness and I'm still a slave to my sinful nature? This doesn't just mean that you sin, that you had a, a, an angry episode yesterday. Grieve over that. Mourn your sin. Absolutely. But this is talking about your lifestyle. Are you still able to sin? Are you able to talk about people behind their back and it doesn't bother you at all? Be afraid. Are you able to lash out at people in anger and it doesn't bother you at all? Be afraid. Are you able to lust after a man or a woman and it doesn't bother you at all? Be afraid. Because a child of God is no longer a slave to those passions. A child of God has crucified those desires on the cross of Calvary right along with Jesus. And now lives a life growing in righteousness. Look at what John said. Let's look at it again. 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who, the key word, practices righteousness has been born of him. That means that the adverse is true, that those who practice sin have not been born of him. Those who live in unrepentant sin are not born again. Is that clear for us this morning in this text? Do you see that with me? A benefit of being a child of God is that we no longer have to be a slave to sin. You know, we, we so have made the gospel about just, well, I don't have to be afraid anymore, and I can feel better about myself. Those things matter but they are of, not of eternal significance. You know what is of eternal significance? Not being a slave to sin anymore. Church, I've told everyone here, I was an alcoholic. I couldn't stop drinking. I was a slave. I was a physical manifestation of what this means of what everyone's spiritual condition is apart from Christ. I couldn't stop. People would tell me, stop drinking. I can't. Until Jesus came. 
And his love was shed abroad in my heart. And when that happened, the chains fell off. This isn't just some miraculous story for you to say, wow, look at you. Because this is what happens when Jesus comes into a person's life. Is that the chains fall off. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And a child of God is able to live in righteousness. We don't have to live a lifestyle anymore where we're full of anxiety. Where we're constantly looking over our backs, over our shoulders. Where we're constantly wondering, are they going to find out what I'm doing? Are they going to find out? What if my husband finds out? What if my wife finds out? What if my friends find out? What if my boss finds out? What's going to happen when I get caught? We don't have to do that anymore. Because now we're free to obey Jesus. And in obedience to Jesus, we find true freedom. Don't you know that? I pray that you know this as a reality in your life today. Number four, we can see his love. Verse one of chapter three, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him because they're not children of God. But we are. If you have been born again by the Holy Spirit and a new heart has been created in you, you now can see the love of God. What am I talking about? John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, God speaking. He says, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Do you see this? This seeing is a spiritual seeing. It is an opening of the eyes of the heart where now there was, there was once darkness, now I can see. Has anybody ever heard the song Amazing Grace? One person? Wow. I thought it was a popular song. Amazing Grace. What does he say? I once was blind. What's the next word? But now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. Is the songwriter trying to imply that he was once walking around with a, 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 one of those sticks because he was physically blind? Of course not. It is the eyes of the heart. I was once blind. I was living in darkness, and now I can see. And what does the songwriter see? Amazing grace. Everybody here knows that my wife loves me. 
At least the assumption would be that she does, right? And she does. And you might know that in an intellectual way. But only I can see it. Because I'm with her every day. Because I see the little things that she does for me here and there. And in the same way, only a child of God can see God's love. Only a child of God can wake up in the morning and look out the window and say, what a beautiful day this is. Because God loves me. His son rising again is evidence that his love is steadfast and never changing. His mercy towards me is new again this morning. Are you kidding me? Only a child of God can see that. Everybody else wakes up and says, another day. It's Monday. That's not to say, church, that we don't sometimes get in a lull and we're not sometimes grumpy in the mornings. I'm not saying that. But it does mean that only a child of God can see God's love in the little minutia of the day. God, you created coffee? You're amazing. I love coffee. I remember Brother Art a long time ago in Sunday school talking about how grateful he is to just be able to open up the pantry and there's food in there. You know why? Because there was one time where it was empty. And this doesn't mean to focus on our physical blessings. I know that's not what he meant either. But what he's saying, what he's communicating, is that I can see the love of God in every little detail of my life. People who are not a child of God, they can hear about it. They can, people can tell them. People can quote John 3.16 all day long. and Oh, that's awesome. It's cool. God loves me. Yay. But only a child of God can see it in their everyday life. Fifth and finally, we have privilege for the present and a hopeful expectation for eternity. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Paul's saying almost the exact same thing, that we have a hope to look forward to one day. That one day, God will transform this horrible body of sinfulness and he will give us a glorified body that is free from sin. 
Can you imagine what that's going to be like? That we will stand before Jesus and we will have a body that is free from sin. We can finally love him truly. We can finally worship him without the stain of sin, without the distractions in our brains. We'll finally be able to pray without thinking about the vacuuming that needs to get done or the bills that need to get paid. We can just sit there and be in awe of Jesus. So in the meantime, our privilege is that we will purify ourselves as he is pure. Our privilege is that right now we are children of God already. We have an eternity to look forward to while the rest of the world only has a bigger paycheck to look forward to. Only has a nicer car to look forward to. Only has that promotion to look forward to. But you and I as children of God What we have to look forward to is that one day, I'm not going to sin anymore. One day, I'm going to be like Jesus. Not like, we're not going to be God. We're not going to be like him in that sense. But we're going to be like him because we'll be in a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 3.12 For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Church, we always talk about when we were studying the attributes of God, we spoke of how there's no way down here we can truly grasp all that God is because we're seeing in a mirror dimly. But then on that day, we're going to see him face to face. Right now, we can know him in part. and We can know a lot. But on that day, we will know him fully. We'll see him in all of his glorious attributes, all of his justice, all of his righteousness, all of his, all of his omnipotence, his omniscience, all of it. We'll see it. All. Now tell me, what in your life right now is too big, too heavy, too distracting to make that day not worth it? The answer? Nothing. It means that you can't, there's nothing that you will go through in this lifetime that will not be worth it on that day. Nothing, not the worst of the worst of the worst, not COVID, not losing your job, not having uh, Joe Biden win the presidency, not any of these things. None of those things are going to diminish the wonder and the glory of that final day. Let's stand. The final verse said that everybody who has this hope purifies himself as the Lord is pure. To purify yourself is to practice righteousness, is to abide in him. Having communion with Christ equals 
conformity to the image of Christ. We're going to sing a hymn as is our new custom. Haley, if you would come. We're going to have a moment of prayer and reflection and praising the Lord for his glorious word. If you do not know the Lord this morning, Christ came fully God and fully man and lived a perfect and righteous life that you and I are supposed to live but never could live. He made a way for us to be called children of God. Why? Because he loves us. How did he accomplish this? By absorbing your sin on the cross and the wrath that was due to you. And his call to all men today and every day is to repent and believe the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, are so thankful this morning for the benefits of being a child of God. We're so thankful, Lord, that we have the opportunity to abide in Christ. We're so thankful that we can live a life where we won't have to shrink back at Christ's return, but we can have confidence. Lord, we're so thankful for the Spirit's work in our life that we can actually live lives of righteousness and not be slaves to sin. Lord, we thank you that you are working in our lives, God. We thank you, and we want to submit to this more and more every day and continue to confess that in Christ alone is our hope in this life and the next to come. Please be with us, Lord, and protect us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.